Welcome back, everybody. Today I have with me Tara Kennedy and Lisa Lynn, and we're going to talk about the juror number six job, which was episode 11 of season one of Leverage. We're getting very, very near to the end of the first season. Oh, okay. Um, it aired on February 10th, 2009. It was executive produced, of course, by Chris Downey and John Rogers. It was directed by Jonathan Frakes, Amanda Riker. And um, the writer, uh, it was written by Rebecca Kirsch. And this is her first, her first writing kind of credit on a TV show. It was really cool. Yeah, so in this one, we get, so it's called the Journal Six Job, or as I kept thinking about it, the Parker Gets Grounded Job. <laughs> Parker has to be on jury duty as punishment for not thinking about her friends and family. I mean, okay, have any of you ever gotten jury duty, been called up for jury duty before? My oh yes, I live in D.C., we get called a lot. <laughs> I got called last year. I remember, like, I I got banana bread, and you saw that, remember? When I had jury duty last year? Yes, I remember that, because you were like, wait a minute. I don't get snacks in my jury duty. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't get snacks in my jury duty. But yeah, I've been called a bunch of times, and I've served, like, actually been put on a jury twice. I've gotten summoned twice. The first time, like, we all got dismissed at noon and because there was nothing going on that day. The second time, I actually got called into the courtroom, but I didn't get picked. But, yeah. I like jury duty, but I am apparently in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I met a few people who have, and they, at the end, like, it was a pain, but they enjoyed it, and they they... It's a whole patriarch doing my civic duty thing, but it's still a pain in the butt, you know? So, at least that's how they put it. I mean, was the case interesting? Yeah. I mean, the challenge for me is always I'm not good at sitting and just listening, which is really what they want you to do for hours at a time. So I ended up taking like really extensive notes um, just to have something to do with my hands. Um, to keep you engaged so you don't, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I too actually enjoyed jury duty. The one time, the one time that I got chosen for a jury, I've only, knock on wood, gone twice. Um, yeah, and the second one, I was like, this is so interesting. Like the people in my jury were pretty cool I people. I hate our, to say it, but I get annoyed when I get it because I'm never going to get picked. Yeah. Neither lawyer is never going to want, they usually don't want people with a law degree there. Yeah. Like, well, like, I'm never going to get picked. So it's just me having to spend the day there with really no real possibility. I mean, occasionally one of, like, one of my people will get picked, but it's really, really, really rare. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, and, I'm not going to get picked. So, you and know. the. The lawyers have to serve too. We have too many lawyers and too many cases to, <laughs> to allow such. Yeah, my um, one of my coworkers had jury duty yesterday, 
Oh, wow. And that is why I had to go to work, even though I was up at like 3.20 in the morning to catch a 5.30 flight out of Denver. And then then go straight to work because she couldn't be there. But it was cool because it was her first jury duty as an American citizen. So so yeah, I was like, that's important. You got to go do that. You don't put it off. Gotta go. But the best story Jeez. is, well, I was talking to my law school dean, and he said he got a jury duty. And, you mm-hmm. know, part of the problem they asked, do you know anyone associated with this jury? And then he's like, I know both the attorneys, and I know the judge. <laughs> and, <laughs> and basically, everybody was like, boy, bye. He basically got laughed out of the room. Like, who was going to, yeah, he's not going to get picked. Yeah, no, he's like, yeah, I know everybody here. I know the bailiffs. I know. <laughs> I think I even know the defendant. Um, he probably knew them. He's like, I've tried them on another case. They're definitely <laughs> guilty. He really should have just been, like, excused. Like, yeah. No. Just like, they should just put you on, like, on the no-fly list. Like, don't even, <laughs> don't even take them out of the drawing. They don't, they shouldn't get them exactly. at all. Yeah. What a topical reference. I know. Okay, let's go back to the episode. <laughs> um, where like, did we at get least cut off? basically complaining Parker's like again a five ten pounds of crazy in a five pound bag or something yes. like that. And yeah. And Horace is saying that looked like decapitation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And she just storms off and, and it's Sophie's job to like talk her down because she's she's acting crazy again. Which Partially, I'm like, why does it have to be the other woman's job to talk down somebody's drastic, the other woman's drastic behavior? But then the other part of me is like, well, that's that's Sophie and Parker's relationship. Yeah, Yeah. one's good with people, one's not. Yeah, she's the mom, and Nate is definitely the dad because when she comes back with Alice's uh, jury duty, he's like, oh, no, you're gonna go, you're going to jury duty, you're gonna learn. Else getting like that was a total mom and dad vibe because mm-hmm. once like Sophie totally picked up the train of thought, yes, well, you have to consider the feelings of others. So it was like, mom and dad, like, you are grounded this weekend and this you are a- going to the soup kitchen. <laughs> this is a teachable <laughs> moment. The seniors at the, at the nursing home every day for the next month. This is your punishment. Yeah, you're gonna learn to appreciate your elders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. This is such a family episode. Like, I mean, I think every episode of Leverage is a family episode, but this one even more so than usual. Um, you know, for Parker and for Hardison. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. So we, you know, immediately we get to, we jump into the court case, which is, well, well first we have the, the opening with uh, our victims. Like, how would we, like, so, how, like, they were going to send her to jury duty, but how were they going to make sure she was going to get picked to be on the jury? Who's to they, say that she wasn't just going to sit there for the for the day, like like most people, and not even get called? So, was there something going on we don't know about that, that they did have? Like, so how were they going to make sure Parker got picked to be on the jury to learn her lesson? That's a good point. Uh, I don't, I don't think they... I guess they just took it for granted that she would get picked. Yeah, I just assumed that was sort of TV magic of compressing the timeline. That you're right. Like normally, there's a whole body, or you wouldn't literally show up the next morning and be on a trial. But you know, that part of that wasn't important to the plot. So we're just yeah, and they didn't even 
yeah, they didn't even cover that in the the commentary. Um, they're just like, well, they, I guess they just, I don't know. They can't assume that we don't know how jury duty works because probability wise, we do. It's long and dry and boring as heck. Yeah. So. <laughs> but Parker's probably answering questions the way they want her to, like in a slightly sociopathic way, you know, like. Or maybe like Sophie's coaching her through the earbuds or something. Or no, because she know. she doesn't have her earbuds in. Yeah. No, I I think she just lucked into it. Well, and also I think Parker as Alice, she was so unsure about how Alice should be. She probably would have not made any great pronouncements, and you know, then mm -hmm. it seems fine. Yeah. Since they rigged the jury, which we'll get to in a little bit, they had to have chosen her for a reason. Right. Like, that was a total runway jury vibe with, like, with mm -hmm. the war room in the back and the secret cameras and the, the, the fence, and, like, Lauren Holly playing the Gene Hackman role. Yeah. Yeah. She was good. She was scary. I would not want to cross Lauren Holly. And it was oil for Nate because mm -hmm. it's simultaneously impressed with her maneuvering and yeah the, trying the to way the chess really match teeth played out through the whole episode yeah yeah he's a little he's like oh okay like someone who i can you know test my test my metal against but also like all right <laughs> he's like how you doing but i'm gonna take you out um, <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah, so Parker does get the jury summons, and while she's on the jury, or she does get picked for the jury anyways, and while she's sitting there, she notices that the, what, it's the prosecutor? I don't know any other terminology, y'all. No, it's the, um, it's the defense attorney, um, well, or the defendant's attorney, so okay. it's the civil trial, but, um, mm -hmm. has the earbuds and the camera, Mm -hmm. And she notices, and then Lauren Holly notices her noticing, yes. and they they're like, "Ah, oh, she just she's just bored, and she's been zoning in and out. I think she's just dumb or something." <laughs> Not before she was rude to Peggy, who was trying to be nice. Yes. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast? You smell like gravy. <laughs> oh, Peggy's so good because she just kind of rolls with it. She's just like, "Oh, okay." And then later, when Parker says something mean, she's like, "Well." You're still the nicest person here. Like, how, how much of a jerk is everyone else? Right? Like, the yeah. rest of the jury, if Parker was the nicest. I mean, Parker doesn't mean to be bad, and Parker says everything odd so cheerfully mm -hmm. that I, I think Peggy is kind enough to give her the benefit of the doubt there. But, yeah. But yeah. Peggy is... Well, I kind of just want to hug Peggy and say, oh, you sweet summer child. Yes. I mean, like, 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 she just seemed like someone who's just gonna be so gullible and like, oh, I know, a rat or a bubble rat, like, honey, oh, honey. <laughs> and that's good. There need to be people out there because those are the people that the team tries to protect, right? Well, and also we're, we're just so used to our like kind of cynical bad guys. Alice slash Perker needs people who just think nice things about her. <laughs> mm hmm Yeah. <laughs> that, um, that look so, on her face when Peggy says, you're the nicest one here, and Peggy, and then Parker's like, oh, really? No. <laughs> She's like, oh, I mean, thank you. <laughs> right. 
So what is this feeling? She says something nice. What is this feeling? Am I having feelings? Yeah, she's like, you told me a secret. Oh, <laughs> that's something friends do. <laughs> Are we friends? <laughs> she's just, yeah. She's like uh, in Bambi when Bambi is experiencing ice for the first time. And she's skidding. <laughs> and she's like skidding around and she's getting all tangled up in her long gangly what? limbs. But she's having a good time. Like me and Sophie are like the mama birds, like pushing the baby out of the nest and watching the baby out, like watching the baby fly. Yes. Like, fly. Like, yeah. Not believe they can do it and then be very successful. So we also get to meet, we talked about Lauren Holly, who's, I call her villain number two, but our villain number one is uh, played by Brent Spiner, who was Data on Star Trek The Next Generation. So this um, is he, a total like Star Trek reunion with him it, and Frakes. It, like, it is. So him, Frakes, and Armin, uh, oh dang, I just forgot his name. Um, but yes, the, the guy who plays the expert witness. Yes, uh, and he played Quark. Um, he oh, also played that. Principal Snyder on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and that's, even though I watched him as Quark first, he's, he'll always be Principal Snyder to me because he's the worst. But he got his comeuppance. Um, Armin Shimmerman, or Shimerman, however you pronounce it. And he's actually, that actor is married to the actress who plays the judge. Oh. So it's like all kind of connected. Yeah, and her name is Kitty, <laughs> which is a cool name. Uh, yeah, so we get him, and uh, I love he has the yellow glasses on for most of the episode, and those are supposed to be a, a nod to Data's yellow eyes in Star Trek. Oh, cool. The show is so nerdy. <laughs> so, okay. If there's not a Doctor Who reference, there's a Star Trek reference because Jonathan Frakes is in it somehow, which is just great. You know, Leverage is all about their inside references, so... Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, they're um they don't have any Doctor Who ones in this one, but there is a rear window homage in the very first scene when um Ernesto collapses and Gloria comes in and she's like screaming his name and then it pans over or cuts to the the teapot screaming on the the stove. Yeah. And that's he's like, I just straight up stole that from rear window. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, Hardison's lawyer character is named for um, the character from Philadelphia. Justin Miller or some Mr. Miller. Joseph. Miller. Yeah, Joseph Miller. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, yeah, Hardison just can't stop himself from making topical references. <laughs> um, all right, so we go, let's go back into, where are we in the story? Uh, yeah, so we see Lauren Holly's uh, creepy evil lair. Which is actually, and you see the exterior of it later when uh, Quint is coming over, but uh, it's a warehouse and it's actually the warehouse next door to the one that they used for the orphanage set in the Stork Job. Oh. So, I was like, so this, this block of warehouses is just very important for Parker's story arcs. There you go. I guess like what the big of the speech is versatile. You can turn it into like, the orphanage, you can turn her into evil, like, war room lair. I yeah. Mean, it, it, they always make jokes about the, like, the hardest working office in, in show business. And basically every villain's office is just the same one and they just repaper it and, like, change out the decorations. So 
I like that. They're just like, well, this is the room and we got to refigure it. And they use the the courthouse or the courtrooms set is from, um, oh, what was that courtroom show with, oh my gosh, what's his name from Blacklist and Pretty in Pink? Oh, Boston Legal? <clears throat> Yes, Boston Legal. Yeah. So that's oh. from a Boston Legal set. Wait, King and Spader? Are you talking about King yes, Spader? James Spader. Thank you. It's like, I know his name. I'm just drawing a blank. Yeah. And they were worried that they needed to make it more attractive because it was really bland and ugly. And then they all got, a bunch of them got jury duty randomly, the the writers and producers. And they were, they were in like LA County courthouses. They're like, oh no, <laughs> these are all much uglier. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> right. It doesn't need to be dirty. Nope. Yeah. Most of them are, yeah, dingy and horrible. But I was a little confused. So Parker comes back from her day, her first day of full jury duty, I guess. And she, you know, comes to Nate and um, Hardison and Sophie and says, I think there's something going on. The The lawyer has... Uh, how much she's grown and the fact that she's picking up on it and she's saying, we need to help this widow. We gotta help these people, yeah. And oh, the confusion that they were watching football and it was... Yes, yes. Weekday. Thank you, thank you. Okay, I was like, because he says Sunday, um, he says, you know, we've got Sunday coverage, but it's definitely not a Sunday because she wouldn't have been in court. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I was like, okay, I don't okay, like football, but... I didn't. I didn't even pick up on that. So go, go, you guys. Like, I'm not a sports person. Yeah, I mean, it could have been like Monday Night Football. That's a thing, right? But they have multiple games, and you don't have multiple games on the. They have um, that's Thursday true. Football, but they only have one game on those nights. There's no okay. I think the point was was them being guys and watching sports and football yeah. and beer. And yeah. Parker's Ooh. annoying. And now Our they thing is that they're just... fake sports guys because that's not real. Right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and one of the like trivia oh. things on I think on IMDb was that none of those are NFL games. They're actually CFL games because that's what they could get the rights to show or something like that. Which is CFL. why it's yeah, I don't know what that stands for. College football league? Maybe Canadian football league? Who knows? <laughs> Canadian football league. Canadians play football. So Parker tries to uh, get everybody's attention and say that we need to help these people. And Nate is pretty quick to brush her off because he doesn't think that there's some evil conspiracy hiding behind every mundane civic I mean, duty. Ron says Nate Ford is not a nice man. He's not. He's not at all. Um, and well, but first, I love Sophie makes the rugby joke. She's like, Oh, I think it's sweet. It's like rugby, but y'all wear helmets and pads so you don't get hurt. <laughs> oh, and then Artisan taking Umbrage. Like, oh, no, you didn't. Yeah. Um, and she just like takes a little bite of her pizza. Um, yeah. So I but do. I felt so bad for Parker, though. She was mm. so hurt. Like, yeah. Like, like, Sophie's playing mom. Like, this mm -hmm. is the first time actually asking for help. And then Hardison and Nate are like, damn it. Yeah. Hardison less so. And he kind of like looks over at Nate. And then Nate's like, what? And he just has these puppy dog eyes. But then he stops and I love that little conversation they have about uh, Hardison had a, had a foster mom who would dress him up in a bow tie and they would have to go you know, spread the gospel of Jehovah Witnesses. 
Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses. That makes me sad as we never got to meet Nana. Yeah. Nana. She, was she still alive? I mean, yeah. I think, he talked about I her think, in the present tense. I think John said on the blog that Nana's very much alive and they were hoping to bring Nana on board. Yeah. She Nana totally would have come in the spinoff. <laughs> they should make a spinoff. I want a movie. But can't you imagine, like, little, like, 10-year-old Aldous in a little bow tie, though? Like, yes. how cute, I mean, adorable. Like, like, he <sighs> talked his neighbors into anything. I'm convinced. Yeah, little I know, I would have perverted. <laughs> well, and it's sort of an interesting idea, too. Like, you're going to go and knock on strangers' doors, and that's how you're going to develop social skills. <laughs> yeah, I think all the kids I know who had upbringings like that don't have great social skills. Like, they can talk really well on one subject. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think that's probably why Hurtison became a hacker and not, you know, yeah. like Sophie. But I mean, also, but he, I think he has a an internal charisma where he can talk to people anyways. No, that's true. I think he yeah. can do the, the small talk stuff. Yeah. Um, and Harker never had that growing up. She was, her foster parents were not good the way that his were. I mean, the fact that he says, like, she can jump off a roof no problem, but making small talk with strangers is terrifying for her. I'm like, mm -hmm. that is a pretty profound insight. Yeah. For him to and, uh, like, that tells us a lot about Parker and what makes her tick. That she mm -hmm. is okay jumping off a roof with basically a bungee cord attached. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. But going to the party big talking to strangers is like how That's gonna give her a panic attack, yeah. I mean, as an introvert, like cocktail parties and like talking to strangers is not my thing either. I really don't like the people. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> yeah. But like you said like this said, like the fact that she's more comfortable jumping off a budget board with bungee jumping that says a lot about her. Yeah. And it says I think it says a lot about Partisan that he is definitely picked up and appreciates that about her. Will you play? Hang on. Will you please? Can you go? <laughs> She's all tangled. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, but he says that and then he turns the TVs back on. And then Elliot sits down and Elliot's all excited. And Elliot very rarely is happy and excited about things because he's, his baseline is annoyed. Um, he brings his beer over. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, my boys! And he sits down. And then he's sent off on a an assignment. But he takes his beer with him. Because if he has to go. And in the commentary, they like, say, okay. you know, he wouldn't have done that in episode one. He's literally taking his balls and going home. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't play with my toys if I can't play. Yeah. yeah. I like he's taking his balls and going home. <laughs> um, and then so he and... He and Parker go to investigate William Quint, who is heading into our evil lair. And um, that's when they find out that they've fixed this tree. Oh, obnoxious, like, new age, like, faux Eastern, like, vibe thing he was going on. Like, that was so typical and annoying. Yes. And, <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie gets to play right into that, which is great. Exactly. Yeah, so they, they realize... No, that just what? speaks to Gina Velma and the fact that she is... That she has the coloring complexion and 
then Bailey can carry it off. I mean, if she was some Norwegian six foot like tall blonde, she cannot play Olivia Smythe Patel. Right. Jerry Ryan couldn't come in and play that character. Yeah. As, as good as she is later. But um, yeah, I do think Gina Bellman's coloring, like she can play many different ethnicities. She's played, okay. she's, yeah. I think she's played, Italian, she's played Italian, so she can play middle, like probably Middle Eastern Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And she can do, yeah, so yeah, so that is an advantage for her, I would think. That yeah. For her, like that, that is her strength, that she can, she can do that. Whereas, like, I can't. I can't be. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> well, and I think the other I thing, can't. too, is the idea is that she's trying to fool a fake Eastern dude. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's a white dude who's got a little Zen sand garden on his desk. I mean, he's... And he's so proud of it. Like, right, like why, would it, why would an Indian woman give a shit? She's trying to fool. Like, that's the level... <laughs> yeah, she's not she's not going out into the Indian community and trying to to pull the wool over someone who's actually Indian's eyes because they would see through her in a moment, I'm sure. But yeah, but he he's ready to buy into that. And I think that's every person that she cons, she knows what they want to see and then she becomes what that is even if it's just like a very thin facade. They don't need much to be convinced of something they're already halfway into believing. That's yeah. But given the history of the two countries, like I don't think her backstory of half British, half Indian is that much of a stretch. I think no, that's no. totally plausible. I, they're probably like twenty. Like yeah, I think that mean Andrews, like Priyanka, or maybe like so many mm-hmm. probably like fit the bills. Not that far of a stretch. Oh but, yeah. Like, like Tara says, the fact that like it's the authentic community trying to pull it off. Like she's just trying to from an obnoxious western white guy who thinks he's like enlightened because yeah. he can balance and not a set like that's yeah. the level we're at <laughs> i just love she's like so. you seem very spiritual and he's like I have a zen garden <laughs> but it was a great way to work that in and then the way she uses that to like give him that number that she wants to pay him is wonderful so yeah so um uh, she gets to do that that character, which is wonderful. Back to Earnshaw, our villain. We find out that she's like the heiress of this drug company. And the reason that she's behind all of this rigging of the jury is because she is going to buy uh, Live Herbally. That's right. Um, and she's she's trying to buy this company, but if he loses this suit or if he settles then all of these other cases are going to come out of the woodwork and then she'll lose she'll lose money on this deal so she that wants to she so wants to win because like that is really true like if that that does set a legal precedent and that opens the floodgates so that is absolutely real but what i loved about that scene was how in the, when you first watch the episode it doesn't come together but when you look back like all the puzzle pieces fit talking about like what this first stakes were and how she's threatening Quint, like, if you dare settle, I will bury you. Mm-hmm. And establishing her character and her mode MO, how she just thinks she can outsmart enough like everybody because she thinks 10 steps ahead. And they and the team kind of uses that against her. Yeah. She's good. I liked the 
the kind of structuring of this episode where it is structured like like the court case you get the opening statements you you know learn about the jury and um and then it goes all the way through but also it's it's the setup of the chess game as well that, that, that's great the episode like and, and yeah like and like how, how many chess analogies just like this was a strong aggressive move opening move on her part so mm-hmm. what's going on behind it and that's where we find out like because she went behind her father's back on the company's back and sent all this money so she's like failure is not an option yeah so we get why she's going through this yeah. whole runaway jury business mm-hmm. it's worth it to her because there's yeah for her so, yeah yeah, and then they use the terminology of like the pawn. They see that she's running a credit report on Alice. And so they know that she's gonna try to buy somebody. And so then they go digging through people's trash for clues. And, and then we get that great scene with Hardison and Elliot arguing in dumpsters, which is so good. And Hardison's like, you don't want to give me mouth to mouth. Nobody wants that. And we're like, you're all lying. You're all lying. You would love that. Be quiet. I mean, like, who did not see it coming that he was gonna chuck that yeah and that's just a perfect little like i love that it's just a tiny little scene and it's it's so them it's perfect so they they discover that it's the the jury foreman because he's got money wrappers and he's got a receipt for a ticket to the to some exotic locale and other things so and I love this line, you know, Parker's like, so the foreman's the pawn and and Nate says, yeah, he is. Take him out, Parker. And and she does. She like lifts everybody's goods and puts them in her cute little like her cute cute little picnic basket. basket like that. Like, oh, I've had a purse like that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alice totally has purses like that. <laughs> That's Alice's style. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, currently my purse is a, a dried-out gourd that's been cut open. It has a little latch on it. It's great. I could beat somebody upside the head with it, and I'd be safe. Nice. Um, yeah. A weapon on it. I, yeah, I mean, you know, this is Texas. You have to be armed at all times. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so she lifts everybody's stuff, and then later when they're about to have lunch, she asks Peggy the time, and Peggy realizes her watch has been stolen. And everyone realizes that their valuables have been stolen. <laughs> then Parker just straight up squirts mustard all over the <laughs> Not a subtle move at all. She basically just gave the mustard at the guy. She even made a face while she did it. They said in the commentary that they tried to come up with like different ways that she could go oh, and slip. And they're like, no, she should just like <laughs> squirt it at him. That's true. It worked well because... Because I think he jumped up so fast. Because you would. Like, you're like, she's not going to stop. Yeah. No, like, oh, gosh. Yeah. And he was, like, very angry at her. Oh, what the heck? And then all the jewels and everything comes out. And then she gets made foreman, which I don't think was the plan. And, okay, lawyerly type people who have knowledge of the law, riddle me this. If... The foreman has been ejected if a jury member has been like mutinied against or whatever voted off the island do you have to then get another jury member because you have 12 people stand by usually but I, okay i'm yeah. guessing that this, this is a wrong with that this i'm assuming this is state court not federal court so it varies jury composition stuff like that very much but usually they're alternates 
ready, but they may have to elect a new foreman, but usually their alternates ready. So there's, it's not going to be like, they're going to have to find another juror out from somewhere. There's usually two on standby. Like, okay. correct me if I'm wrong, Tara. Yeah, no, I was on a, a trial <laughs> one of our jurors was let go. And Ooh. we had two alternates. And so they had to sit through the trial and they came into the room with us the whole thing. And then we only needed one of them at the end. So it was only, we, we only kicked the remaining one out when we hit deliberation. So but they have to be there the whole time? They're just there for the whole trial just in case they're needed. And they, they were, one of them was. They okay. the jury box the whole time. And then when we had deliberation, then it, we went down to 12. Okay. All right, so they would have had someone. I was like, well, that would have been an interesting also way to stall for time, which they kept needing to stall for time. Like if they, they had to go find another jury member, but if they had someone in the wings ready. Okay, good. I was like, ah, I don't know how that works. So that's good. Um, so she, yeah, she becomes the, the new foreman, but I don't know that she, she obviously was like, oh God, what, why? Uh, Oh, I do love when Nate asks if anybody plays chess, and and Elliot's like, "Oh, I play chess," and and Nate's so like condescending. He's like, "Of course you do." Right. And I think it's just because like Elliot does everything. Elliot, you know, he can he cook, he can fight. He doesn't like guns. Like he, just, yeah, he can do everything. He can charm the ladies. He can sing. He can play guitar. He can right. ride a horse bareback. <laughs> uh, Oh, he's great with kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, actually, he knows like, how to condition like a boss. Like, he has beautiful hair. So yeah, he he can do. He can sing. He has the hair. He can do his own stunts. So, of course, oh. he plays chess. Exactly. Ellie exactly. is very much a. There are twenty-four usable hours in every day. <laughs> so, so they've got. Yeah, so they've they've gotten rid of the foreman and. Now they have to figure out something else because they don't have that guy in their pocket. But luckily, Earnshaw is always, you know, you know, has a plan for every contingency. So she calls up the lawyer and uh, talks to him about okay. retirement possibilities. You have to call shenanigans on because, like, if you're in the middle of a trial, unless you're dead and died or something, you don't just up and quit in the middle of a trial. Especially if you don't put in notice, you don't tell the client, you just don't show up. Like, no, that. No, legally, that is a breach of ethics. Like, you can get probably, like, sanctioned or censured or maybe even disbarred. Like, that is, no, you can't do that. But was, like, if he's, if he's re retiring, would that matter at all? Like, if he's just going to go off to some yeah, tropical island, but not going to care. You can retire after the trial is over. Like, in the middle of a trial, I don't think you can just abandon your client like that. I don't think that the fact that the lawyer dropped out in the middle of a trial like that just disappeared. That can't happen in real life. In the middle of a trial? Why not? Why couldn't you just like drive away and never well, that's, I mean, I think, I think that's a breach of duty to the client. That it's not like the bar association or whomever I'm sure comes after you for that. But I think if um, as I sort of assumed like you're planning to go off and live in Fiji anyway then who cares? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you in Fiji. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's one thing if you got like 
emergency, like appendicitis and appen- and you're like rushing to the emergency room from an appendectomy. Mm-hmm. That's one But at least that like, you would still t- tell the court what was going on. Like just to not show up and not leave word. Like that, you don't do that. Well, well yeah, well, if you're an ethical person, but if you have a buyout from Earnshaw, like you're not an ethical person, you're a bad guy. And now you're a bad guy in Fiji living but in a beautiful hut, you know? Explain it off to Fiji. You don't care if you get censured by the bar. You're not planning on getting They're never, you're, you're not going to be practicing law again. I submit to the hand waving, <laughs> fine. <laughs> All right, so the Vargas' lawyer does go off to Fiji or wherever. I like that we picked Fiji. Um, and... <laughs> So, I don't want to go to Fiji. The flight is too yeah. long. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you never had to, yeah. If it was a one way ticket, might be worth it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, they take a pawn. Earnshaw takes the knight. Uh, but luckily, Team Leverage has more than one knight. And so, the, there's not a mistrial. Partisan comes on as Joseph Miller, our intrepid very qualified overqualified lawyer i like that he just harvard pre-law something else law like his he was harvard in georgetown yes i think it's georgetown pre-law you're right um she's like his hourly rate is more than this woman makes a degree a program a pre-law program is that an actual thing um i mean i've heard of that being a major but i've also heard that supposedly a lot of schools like people who don't don't care that are not pre-law so yeah but i also believe that hardison would list his major as (laughs) pre-law in his email (laughs) he totally would he totally would so joseph miller from the movie philadelphia I mean, I mean, who suffered through three years? Why don't you just walk in and do some suits type crap where he just he can just pass himself off as an attorney? Really, dude? Really? <laughs> Is it not that easy, Lisa? Are you telling me that I couldn't just walk into a courtroom with a swagger and a nice suit and in a yearbook and uh, pass myself off as a lawyer you have your bar number like bar id number and you have to sign like under perjury and penalty of like and not well, like legal documents and things like that it like it doesn't they don't screw around like you're signing and you're asserting that i am qualified to do this i am a member of the standing on the bar and I am licensed to practice in this jurisdiction. So, so much paperwork has to be behind and so much backstopping. Yeah. Not just him on a website saying, I agree with this. Like, you have to file paperwork and you have to say, like, I'm filing notice of appearance on behalf of this client. Like, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, okay, so fair. Yeah. So uh yeah. I mean I, I guess leverage is not completely based trial, in real life. <laughs> and if this was a criminal trial, like if like constitutional rights are involved, like that's a whole nother shitstorm. So yeah. okay. Yeah. So at least I didn't at least they didn't get into that, wade into those waters. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know, at the beginning, there, uh, Sophie says, you know, he's never going to win this case. But notes that Nate says he doesn't have to win; he just has to stall for time. And I love all the things he brings up: yearbooks, the vacation photos of the other lawyer, and he's like, some body shaming comes into play. And I'm like, partisan, you're better than that. Fre four oh three. Relevance. But again, we're probably a state court, so it's whatever the the Cal, whatever the LA version, whatever that jurisdiction's version of 403. What's like, what's 403? Yeah. You have to explain this to me. It's a, a federal rules. Of, I'm sorry, the federal rules of evidence. So when you want to submit the yearbook, so yeah, relevance FRE 403 or okay. whatever or whatever the local jurisdiction version of that is. And when the lawyer and when when Mrs. Vargas was like, they have court-appointed attorneys for civil cases, but yeah. Um, unless I'm mistaken, like, civil cases, there are really no constitutional rights really invoked. Mm -hmm. So there's no like, legal right. So, like, if it's a criminal trial, you can, you can get a court-appointed attorney. So, yeah, so she was right about it. Usually. There may be exceptions, I don't know. So when he said that I'm your court-appointed attorney, it's like, eh. So. Oh, okay. So that I'm could sorry, be... I'm sorry, guys. I'm <laughs> sorry. Well, and that's why, you know... <laughs> That's why our villain is like, how can she afford this lawyer? Mm -hmm. And he just waves it away with like, don't you trust your government? And I love that she's like, well, why yes? And I'm like, no. Like, a lot of huge law firms will try to like break in some good PR by doing some like pro bono. Yeah. Work. So if you said I, my, like we would have to explain how they found out about the case, but. You could say that I'm doing this as a pro bono thing, uh, which is totally legit, but... Yeah, that's true. But I, I just love that he brought the government into it. <laughs> and from 2018, we're all yelling, no, you don't trust the government. Don't do yeah, it. But in, in the case of our, our lovely widow, like, she has nothing to lose, right? Like, that's true. Point, if, as long as he's not planning to charge her money. Yeah, that is... Yeah. No, I'd be like, I don't trust the government, but I trust you, random stranger. Come on in. You can't possibly make this worse. My husband's already dead. Yeah. Oh, poor Gloria. I hate, I hate um, episodes like this where even though it's going to end happily, well, it's going to end with the, the victim, you know, getting, you know, what they deserve and the, you know, the, the villain going down, like, they're never, it's not a happy ending because their husband's still dead. Like, they can't change that. And that sucks. <sighs> but, anyways. And um, the fact that it was Ernesto and he was like, oh, like probably. He was, you he was know, going to like, night school like, to try to make their lives better. It's just like, huh? It could be any more topical. Like, oh my God. Right? Yeah. Um, so. So things are getting a little tense between Earnshaw and Quint. Uh, she sees him talking to Sophie in the courtroom. I love that she's like, who's that? And and her like little henchman is like, oh, the guy talking to the lawyer? And if she'd focused on that, she would have been like, who is this guy? He's been in the courtroom the whole time. And now here he is talking to the lawyer that we've never seen before. But she's so focused on Quint and this woman that he's talking to. And she does the research and finds out that she's from Mumbai International. And they used um, a real business, which comes into play later. And Sophie is like, 
really kind of reveling in, in being evil. She's like, you know, we want to get into this herbal supplement you have because, uh, you know, all, we've got all these industries in India that are outsourced from America. And so everybody's working the graveyard shift and oh, we, they need to build people. We, a few deaths will matter. Yes. Um, you know, India has a billion people. Parking permit. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We don't care if we just want no bad press. Yeah. And he's like, all right, cool. <laughs> okay. So, but he's like, but I want to see your operations. So she sets up a Skype call basically. Um, but she, I love it. She's like, it's going to be, have to be at like midnight. Is that cool for you? We'll, we'll send a car to get you, which I guess okay. really just gave them time to give leverage headquarters a makeover and take, you know, Harlan uh, leverage off the wall old Nate picture and uh, put the fountains in. I actually like Googled the time difference uh -huh. between and Mumbai and it is roughly about 12 hours. Nice. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna do their research on something like that, right? Right, yeah, that's, that's an yeah. easy, you know, unforced error as it were. Yeah, so I love the the guy that they bring in to play the her counterpart in India. And then it turns out he's just in front of a green screen on the other side of the offices. And and Elliot's running the computer with the camera in it, which good job, Elliot. Right. He's learning Photoshop and green screen. <laughs> he's really been spending some quality time with Hardison. Um <laughs> so far. Baby can work a flash drive. Yes. <laughs> I can't plug this in. He figured out how to plug it in. Um yeah, and then it that turns out to be Elliot's friend. And so we get to see him interact with somebody. They're all jokey. And then the guy has this thick Scottish brogue. <laughs> almost like a stereotypical, like almost borderline offensive, like broad brogue. Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is great because usually. Lassie, laddie. And I was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> Didn't <a> fash it. <laughs> Just, right. Which is, I think like a funny, like kind of flip of, oh, every, Every person who looks Indian has to have this super thick Indian, like, Apu accent, which is super racist, you know? And then they just, like, twist that on its head, which I'm like, I appreciate that. That's refreshing. Thank you. And then you get to see, like, Elliot, like, do the fake punching and the hugging. And <laughs> and Nate's like, he's great. That was wonderful. And Nate is so different in this episode than he was in the last episode, because the last one was the 12-step job when he is just a wreck uh, oh, and he's just so excited to go drink again. And he is drinking in this episode. Bad downward spiral. Yeah. Episode. He was, yeah, that was kind of a horrifying way to look at Nate. But then in this one, he seems totally fine and everybody's okay with him. But I mean, that's because the episodes were shot out of order and that the 12 step job should have been earlier in the season, I think. But interesting. Yeah. So so here he is. His hair is clean. He's like looks bright eyed and bushy tailed. He is drinking, but not a lot. He's on his not, game. Yeah. Yeah. He's not scaring everybody. But um, Earnshaw is on to Sophie's character. And um, so she buys Mumbai International out from under her, which is crazy. Because she buys Mumbai International for less money than she's gonna Can get when she. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. How does she do that in less than forty-eight hours? 
know. Well, Whatever it is. But it is fun. Because, like, I've, like, I've seen what happens when you sell, have to sell a business, buy and sell a business. Like, it is a long, drawn-out process. Closing, taxes, and forms, and things like that. So how do you do that in 48, especially with an international company, which is, like, makes it, like, 20 times harder? Yeah, not even like, 48 I'm, hours, too. It's, like, overnight. Like, I mean, how do you put the paperwork together? send the offer convince them to take the offer and have it closed like i are we hand waving yeah I think there's a little bit of hand waving but it also like it doesn't have to be done like they could have just signed you know letters of intent or whatever and it means that now they now she can't they can't go and make buy another company without her signing off on it yeah that makes a lot of sense because they're the the guys who are signing it are totally like flabbergasted they're like do you know what's going on right. Sign the like, please give us money thank you that sounds great yeah sure <laughs> we'll we'll get in we'll lock ourselves into this deal yeah okay i i like that i can buy that um yeah and it does yeah. stop stop whatever deal that sophie was you know trying to to do with quinn's in that moment with Sophie, like, he just spent a million, millions of dollars buying a company I don't even work for. Like, that look on her face is like, damn, I'm good. Yeah, right? Right. Oh, that's well, how scared also, I made her. It says something interesting about, you know, Earnshaw's, <laughs> like, insane level of commitment to this all because, you know, she keeps saying, like, she's already sunk too much money into this deal to let it go bad, but she's just thinking more and more. Yeah, she's throwing good money after bad. Paying for this incredible team of people who they're are helping her fix the jury. I mean, she's it's a psychological thing at this point. Oh, totally. I mean, but but it's also why like she makes such a good foil for Nate because Nate is exactly the same way. But mm -hmm. like you know, you know, Nate is never Nate always like starts off saying we're just gonna stall for time and get them to settle, and then ends up with. We're gonna we have to win the whole case. Yes, which is exactly <laughs> what he says now. Never retreat. Never surrender. Yes. Yeah. So now they have to win the jury, um, which is crazy. And then I, I love this. You get both Nate and Sophie's versions of pep talk, pep talks for the for the kids, right? Like Nate's like, you know, you can do it. Like all lawyers are doing anyways is you know. Putting he on daddy's clothes and faking I it mean, anyways. He knows how to push partisan's buttons to get the best out of them. Mm -hmm. Which But yeah, so he's he pushes Hardison's buttons. That's his version of the pep talk. And then Sophie has this totally different, you know, MO. She's she's making Parker realize that you're not the only weird one. Like everybody else there is messed up. The only person who's normal is Peggy. That's <laughs> her sweet little heart. Babies. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I was like, how yeah, did Sophie know that? She isn't even in the room with the grandma. She's kind of just like watching the Parker's like cam coverage or whatever. And That's like, true. Oh, know, I'm like, sure. I'm sure they've pulled bios on all the jury now. Yeah. yeah. And then like Trevor the frat guy. Oh yeah, he's super gay. He's super gay. But sad, the messenger guy with five kids. He's bulimic. Like that's yeah. Um I thought that was and interesting. Then, and then I think that was just so like 
blue Parker Fonda. She's like, how could you possibly know that? And, and Sophie's like, that's this is what I do for a living. That's I my meet thing. People. Yeah. Like, and I charm them and push them and manipulate them to do what I want. Mm-hmm. But I like, think like the the biggest key there is Parker realizing everybody has this facade. Everybody has a character that they play for the rest of the world. You know, like, they just they don't have a they don't have a separate name for it. It's their name. And and I think that's like for a lot of people that's an that's a that's a pivotal moment in your life when you realize suddenly like oh everybody else feels the way that I feel like feels weird and not normal and like they're not going to be accepted and everybody else has it together but me and then that moment when you can realize no like no they're not they're just as messed up inside as I am like they they're faking it the way that I am like and I feel like that's so much more poignant for Parker because I mean we talk about how she really doesn't latch on into like social cues and stuff but like in her way she's brilliant and i she knows she's not like everybody else she doesn't mm-hmm. operate with everybody else like normal people so for her to find out like everybody feels this way must be really comforting oh, yeah. i would think yeah <laughs> i may be weird and broken maybe a little more than other people but everybody's broken okay it's not yeah. just me you know? Now I now I can come out people and and interact with them in a like on a more level surface, <laughs> which is so great. I love it so much. And then the scene where they're walking off the court or they're going they're going out the door and, um, you know, what Nate hands Hardison the the briefcase and Sophie has the bag lunch for, for and, Parker. And she gives Parker a high five like they're sending their kids off to school. I was like, oh my god, it's so <laughs> precious. They leaned into the mom and dad thing for sure. Yeah. yeah, and then and then Elliot comes like kind of skipping up and they're like, Oh yeah, you're not going to school today. You're not you have to do something else. Which is get hit by a car. <laughs> Beat up two guys and plant a device in Quint's electric car. Elliot was immediately suspicious. What do you want me to do? Am I gonna like this? <laughs> and and Nate's is not the first part. But actually, the first part is him putting a device in this car and not, you know, um, getting hit by the car. So I'm like, does he not like, well, he doesn't like electronics. So maybe he didn't like that part. <laughs> I, mean, um, I just assumed that she's got to beat some people. Not yeah. until we get to the beating people up part. Yeah. Then he's like, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to throw this man over my shoulder. Nobody's watching. It's fine. This is my jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what I do, uh, and and then we get Nate playing oh, basically of, one of the best moments of the pilot. By the way, that is what I do. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. So then we get Nate playing uh, Ed Begley Jr. Basically, super country <laughs> granola guy <laughs> talking about yes. using your own waste. <laughs> the power of your digestive combustion cycle. Like what the ever loving. It's so good, and and he's Quint's like what the ugh, um, and then he distracts him so he can lift his phone and this like the super cool toss into to Sophie's hand as she drives by, which was digitally done. They didn't actually do that. It looks it looks really good, um, and yeah, then she's we find out later that she's driving around to different competitors. Uh, so that it looks like uh, Quint is not really broken down on the side of the road, but that he's shopping his his company around. 
Earnshaw's Emma against her. Yeah. yeah. Right, using her surveillance. Yeah, and uh, then Hardison's, you know, freaking out in the, the courtroom because they've got one last witness witness to talk to and and he he's so sweet because he apologizes to Gloria. He's like, I'm not gonna win this and I'm so sorry. And she's like, you know what? Like we said earlier, I don't have anything to lose. You've been the best lawyer we, we've had. Oh. Thank you. And like just her support <laughs> and faith in him gives him that extra confidence to go out there and like rip this guy to shreds. <laughs> Because he had that knowledge in his back pocket, but I guess he wasn't going to use it. Like, he knew about the no-fly list. And that dude, can we talk about, like, white man privilege? He had not one, not two, but, like, 27 different offenses. 22, 27 offenses. Before... Bassy behavior. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Before they said, no, you cannot fly anywhere. Like, that is so many. He had 17 mini margaritas and jumped onto a drinks cart. I know Armin Sherman is a short man, but what the hell? I'm a sexy monkey. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I mean, especially in the era of Me Too that we're in, like, that was just not a lot. Well, but it, like, I totally believe that, that now that we're in the era of Me Too and more people are talking about the experiences that they've had, like, it does not shock me at all that some guy got away with doing this on different airlines 22 27 times and and only at that point were they like well you know what there were a lot of witnesses you should probably not be flying anywhere now right. I mean, yeah he was technically this is him like impeaching the witnesses like credibility and character and whatnot mm-hmm. like the rules are complicated for that but yeah that was Gross. I mean, that was just gross. The behavior yeah. being described was just gross. Yeah. I but, mean, you could argue, like, what does this have to do about it with his expertise? But again, you could say I'm teaching his character and, you know, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, and Elliot says, you know, the U.S. government has decided that this man cannot fly, you know, in much the way that Osama bin Laden is yeah. not okay to fly on our airlines. Like, how, how can we trust his word on these other things? And then exactly. at that point, you kind of feel bad. And he's like, I'm in recovery. And you're like, actually, like <laughs> I haven't like still. Some, I feel like there's some like legitimate objection there. Like that is just going way too far. Like to Jack McCoy on Law and Order. Like Ransom <laughs> still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the damage is done, even if, you know, the- You the, see the look jurors face they're like yeah 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 so uh yeah that was it was great and parker's so proud and like very attracted to him in that moment (laughs) yes yes i like that (laughs) it's that it's that competency porn again you know it's so attractive to see somebody do something really well um and then he gives that great closing statement um, I love closing statements on TV shows, you know, Matlock and, and everybody, but... Um, that awesome closing, and we just talked yeah. like, you saw that. You saw, got that notice in the mail, you were like, eh. But it wasn't that bad, right? And he's looking right at Parker. Like, he, he made some friends. It wasn't horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, that, this is, this is why it's entrusted to 12 people. It's your yeah. job, too. And I'm like, Gah! 
yes, it's so important. <laughs> like, this is our civic duty. This is why we do this. And like, I would have started crying in the jury box. I sat there and observed my shared files, and <laughs> truly, they're so dry and boring. It's mm. awful. Even, like, I sat through a murder trial, and parts of it were, just, were still boring as hell. But, like, Inject like, but a good closing. Like, you want to go for the heartstrings. You want to manipulate the emotion, and I'll just sold the hell out of it. That was awesome. Did. Yeah. Um. And it's like you see the look on all the jury members' faces, and you see the judge, and the judge that's like she's like proud of him. And they they cut over to the other lawyer, and it looks like he's questioning his life choices. Like that's how good it is. Maybe the judge is gonna forgive Harrison for the two hundred slide. <laughs> yes, she's like, I'm gonna invite that charming young man out for drinks. He did a good job. Um, yeah. So then. Uh, I just, I, you know, the jury goes in to deliberate. Hardison goes home to Leverage headquarters, and Nate has a glass of like whiskey waiting for him when he walks walks in, like a proud papa, <laughs> you know. And he's like, you know, I'll take that as a as a compliment that you had this. And then they sit back, and uh, their entertainment for the evening is to watch Parker try to convince the jury yes. to, uh, to vote the way they there well now. Yes. Yeah, and I love, like, they all are 100% confident that she can do this. Like, there's, um, you know, you see each of their faces and they have no, 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 they're not, they're not worried at all. And then you see Parker and she's like, oh, God. And, like, and that's when you pan in and then pan back and cut the commercial break. Like, you see, like, like, this is on Parker, she's got to sell it. And then you, you can see she's frozen she's internally freaking out and it's just mm-hmm. like can, like it's all like a girlfriend do this it's all yeah. on her yeah i know and that's a good that's a good commercial break and then we get back and um i love this because earnshaw is watching everything and she goes you know what you know we buy a jury member he gets kicked Thank out you. we get rid of the lawyer a new lawyer shows up Huh. And she also like she picks up she picks up the king and then she dismisses that. She's like, no, I'm being paranoid, you know, and she puts it down. Like, you're this close, lady. Like at this point there's nothing you could do because they're, you know, locked in the jury room. But you almost got it. And um and then they she sees them vote. Geometry proof. She got to A to B to C. She didn't quite make it to D and E. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So then they they hear the the final, you know, vote of we're gonna go with live verbally, and she turns off the TV. I love when they're like, "Yeah, we won. No, we don't need to see the after effects of this." And uh, and then uh, Quint comes in and she's she decides she's gonna screw him over and make him uh, pay the train. Make him pay. Like immediately, she's gonna buy it out from under him now before he can do anything else because she knows that he's been shopping around. And I love like she's got the three, the three folders. Again, like like, it's another letter of intent kind of thing because like if he can't just outright sell a company just by signing a piece of paper, they're like 
so much stuff involved. So it's gotta be maybe some Freeland thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you need to have like a notary on board, right? <laughs> Make sure this is a fish. I don't know. That that uh, her little henchman, he's a notary. He could do it. That's he seems like, like a some kind of title company and like taxes and filing paperwork with the state relevant government agencies and like it's just the whole thing. It's just Sorry. it was a letter of intent. It, he's what? he's locked in with that, right? We'll just say that's how it works. <laughs> They're just small business owners, so it, it's government regs suck, y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she makes him do whatever it is to give her control of his company. And they go in to hear the, the actual jury's findings. And the jury, of course, finds in favor of the plaintiff in the amount of $5 million. Which is great. And, like, Hardison's like, yes! <laughs> um, and, and everybody else is shocked. Except Quince, he's just like, ha. And the defendant's attorney's like... I'm out of this. I'm getting yeah, the hell out of Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like the sorest loser. He's like, I'm gone. Get, get me out of here. They don't pay me enough. I want to go to Fiji. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll join the jury for a four minute Fiji. We'll yeah. yeah, exactly. And then Ern shows like accusing Quint. She's like, this is you. You were, you were going around and shopping around with other, other competitors. And that was after you beat my guys up. You had your guys beat up my guys, and he's like, I don't have guys, I wear sandals! <laughs> Which was, like, the best explanation of why he doesn't have henchmen. Like, what? I wear sandals! Like, that was a great line, and Brent's finer, like... <laughs> and then he's just, like, shaking her away, he's like, I have sandals! <laughs> just, he's just kind of like... Get out. What are you even talking about? Are you out of your mind? He is. He's he is. And then he sees Sophie and she's like, you remember me? I guess you shouldn't have. I guess okay. you should have settled. So maybe this is something you guys can explain to me. Like, Arshon <clears throat> is totally on the phone because she now is responsible. But now Quinn has signed away the company. So how is he being held accountable? Um, he's not making as much money as he would have. I guess. Because I think she was selling him, the, like, she bought that third folder is her buying the company for much, much less than it's valued at. Yeah. And then she so, was going so to people, before. You well, he's also now, like, well, <laughs> if he leaves this on his resume or whatever, I have no idea what he plans to do next, but... You know, now he's associated with this company that has this judgment against it. Yeah, he's no credibility. Yeah. yeah. That's that's guess, true. I guess, like, Sophie's putting salt in the wound and twisted nice thing. You should have settled. If you had settled, we could have avoided all this, and you could have just gotten $100 million. Yeah. <laughs> but you they wouldn't have given them $100 million. They would have screwed him. Somehow, but yeah. You could have yeah. avoided the rigmarole. Maybe you could have been in Fiji too. Yeah. But I think I think maybe the joke there is that they they would have found another way to screw him over. And so he th thinks he thinks, oh, it could have been better. And he's forever going to think that in his head and it's gonna make it worse for him. When if he had had actually done that, they still would have found a way to stick it to him. That's how I interpret it anyways. And then we get like Elliot smirks and walks off, and then Nate comes up. 
and like tosses her the white king or the clear king, which is the white one, um, which indicates again that he's the he's the black king or he's the black knight, which is kind of this thing that's been coming back um, from the pilot. One of the best quotes in the entire series. He's a got straight up in her face. Drop that thing. Like, I'm sort of in your face. Your face. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't even say anything, does he? Nope. Nope, he just... And, like, but she, like, he recognizes, like, that's her piece. Like, they snuck in. Because he's so extra. He's so dramatic. <laughs> so... broke into her evil lair. Stole her, yeah. her piece from her That was chest. not extra. That was not extra. That was just petty. That's petty. <laughs> That's so, like... <laughs> but no, it's extra. It's extra and petty. It's extra petty. <laughs> which is which is the Nate that we know and love. But we're like, oh, God, Nate. Really? Not even Sophie would have done that. Um, yeah, and then I just, they're back at the they're back at Leverage headquarters that night, and he's Nate is so proud of Hardison. He's like, yeah, if you just apply yourself, you could do anything. You could be anything you want. And he's like, I hacked a government no fly list to decimate this man's character. And he's like, well, yeah, sure, you know. Okay, he's just a little, just a little, just a little. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I could be an astronaut. I'm gonna and be a surgeon. Next week he'll be he'll perform open heart surgery. Next week, it's yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll talk him through it. He'll have the calm in his ear. It's fine. He could totally do it. I believe that Hardison could do anything. And the nurses will hand him the right scalpel. It's yes. all good. It'll yeah, he'll have a sweet playlist because that's what he'll spend the whole evening putting together. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's like that line in the Avengers, like, "When did you become an expert in?" Lot, like blah 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 physics he's like last night <laughs> what like it's hard um <laughs> like a totally other reference um and, and then like wiggly blonde yes. like L's husband like you've gotten to harvard like, like it's hard what like it's hard yes which is totally topical because juries yes and yes. totally topical because they just announced there's gonna be a legally blonde three I know what? I saw that. I'm so, so excited. So excited. Oh, is Reese is Reese coming back? Oh hell yeah. Yeah, she's the I one who made the announcement. I wonder if Reese <laughs> Wilson's coming back. Oh, I hope so. Um, I only care if oh, what's her name? Paulette. Jennifer Coolidge. Yes. It, yeah, as long as Jennifer Coolidge is in it, I'm I'm happy. I would like the twin the her friends, her sorority sister friends to be in it too. <laughs> And then they could make like another Legally Blonde musical, which would be great. They could just skip the second one. I love that musical. Anyways. Great. Um, oh, it's so good. So we get, um, at the very end, we get Parker eating a hamburger. She's so excited to be eating flesh again. Makes Peggy me a lot no. of hamburger. And then Peggy texts Peggy her. Does she does Peggy know Alec was a vegetarian, by the way? I but assume that Parker had been making a big because that was the one thing parker knew about alice so i mm -hmm. feel like parker would have shown up and been like i'm alice and i'm vegetarian yeah <laughs> and which is very in keeping with a lot of vegetarians <laughs> right. that's something they're very upfront about <laughs> not Especially vegetarian so much as like vegans but no like uh, i was gonna say the no vegans, vegans especially <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean yeah if you're vegan I feel like that's something people have to know because they're gonna be like, "Hey, you want some steak?" And you're like, uh, "No, 
Yeah. I, I, I figure that's that's also how Parker played it. Just like very Asperger's. Like, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> no offense to the vegans, but they do have that reputation. They do. They do. Um, but yeah, so she, Alice made a friend. And, and uh, Ellie, it's like, for the, I'll tell you one last time. You made a friend. I thought it was very you, they're sweet. your shoes. You made a friend. You are Alice. Very sweet of him. Like, this was your accomplishment. You yeah, did that. That's true. That was very sweet. Yeah. And, 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 but, and, then, and then Parker's like, she likes rain. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she likes rainy days. She knows she comfortable shoes. But then I, I love Parker and Sophie get the very last lines of this episode, which is rare because he's usually Sophie or Nate. Um, and Parker's like, do you think she'd want to steal a painting with me? <laughs> and, and Sophie's just like, I think you should start small. Like, start with coffee. <laughs> which I was reading, there was some post on Tumblr the other day that was... Like, do you think that Parker, Parker takes things literally and Parker's idea of having a good time is stealing something. And when Sophie says, start with coffee, do you think that Parker was like, got halfway through hanging out with, with Peggy and she's like, they're stealing coffee. <laughs> Just like stealing bags of coffee from like a, like a wholesale manufacturer or something. Parker is Parker. She has her central focus. She like, can't turn she- it off. She can grow, but it, she, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, even when she was in rehab in the last episode, she's lifting guns off of people. She can't help herself. That's just who she is. But I love it. All right. That's the end of the episode. Do you have any books you want to talk about today? Um, anyone who knows me knows I am obsessed with Tessa Dare. Mm -hmm. Um, I am going to recommend her stuck-up trilogy, uh, particularly the third book, Three Nights with the Scoundrel, um, because the, the whole premise is like um, is the stud club, like the, organized by this by this um, guy named Leo, and Leo killed. It's not a spoiler, and so like the, the series kind of like revolves around like figuring out what happened and there's like throughout the series so there's like a bit of mystery there's like some there's like secret identities and and like the hero of the third book is kind of like pulling a con out so like i'm gonna say three nights with the scoundrel all right excellent terry you got one um i do i just have to Oh, there we go. I'm not done with it, but I've been reading Whiteout by Elise Springer, uh, which is an amnesia book. I love amnesia books. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this is one of the uh, the subset of I have amnesia and now I don't remember that I was actually running a con on you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is a little bit of a spoiler, but yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Well, and no, like, we knew it had to have something to do with a con. <laughs> right. And it's called white out because they're uh you know they've gone on vacation in a cabin and there's a blizzard that's why oh they my gosh i have this book <laughs> i have this book um my co-worker's sister knows the author and so she gave me a copy oh my gosh yes okay sorry i was like why does that sound so familiar <laughs> yes okay oh and he like has no idea who this guy is right so yeah so it starts with him you know, recovering from the head injury and not knowing who this person is. And then slowly as he starts recovering his memories, he 
there are discrepancies in what this person is telling you, what he remembers, and so just to figure out why. Okay, all right, that just moved way up because she did not tell me there was a freaking con involved. Okay. <laughs> so excited okay i love it so. and i'm watching like white collar on netflix lately so i'm very much in like the con heist food these days nice that's just me 24 7 um okay so mine is it's con academy by joe schreiber it's a YA novel about this kid named will who's a con artist who's bluffed his way into like a really prestigious private school like one of the richest private schools in the country. And he, he does it pretty successfully. He's got this like airtight um, backstory and everything, only to find out that there's another person in his class who has also conned her way into the school. And the school is not big enough for two con artists. And so they propose a contest and whoever beats the other one gets to stay. Um, and so there's, you know, he has to call in all of his like, friends and his like really shady dad who he doesn't get along with who he like has abandoned he shows back up and like works his way into the job and it it's really good there's like a lot of twists and turns it's it's a really fun like quick week quick read so yeah that sounds amazing yeah it's fun um especially because the other girl like she's she's she will do anything that needs to be done to, wow. to get her way because she's worked her way in here and she's got a hard scrabble backstory just like will and she's not leaving and uh, yeah it's good oh i have to oh and tessa made like this amazing like, video trailer for the stuck Club trilogy using the toys in her kids bedroom so i need to send that to you yes <laughs> i'll put that in the show notes that sounds awesome like tessa has said that like, <laughs> she's got like, so many fan mail about the mid about the <laughs> about that and like so many like more than like so yeah she gets so many like fan mail about that <laughs> so i have to email that to you the link to the video it is amazing all right what's the what's the trilogy called the cyclone trilogy stud club stud club trilogy stump club stud, Four club. Six of stud. Club. oh okay yeah, we'll see you then sorry all right no it's cool so ladies thank you for joining me Okay, do y'all uh, want to share where people can find you and follow you on the interwebs? Tara, go first. I'm on Twitter at as Tara, T-A-R-A-T-L-K. All right. Lisa? Um, L-A-F-O-R-E-S-T-A-1. That's me on Twitter. La Foresta 1. Excellent. I am at Librarian Steve. That's Steve, S-T-I. And yeah, so I think the next episode is, well, the, the next episode is the, the David job, the, the first part. Um, and that's leading, that's the, those are the finale, the David jobs. Uh, so I think we're going to like smush it together and have a giant finale episode to finish off season one. Um, so yeah, if anybody wants to come back for that, we get to meet a very and important I person. I love it. I love the David Job ones, especially the second part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. No spoilers. No spoilers. Sorry. But yeah, we got, a, we got a very important new character. I'm so psyched. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. And then we're going to do a um, in between the first season and the second, beginning of the second season, we're going to have a special episode. Um, and I'm going to talk about Ocean's 8. Because <laughs> I felt that was pretty topical. So, um, 
Corey also already volunteered that she wants to do that one. So we're going to see that movie and then we're going to gush about it, which will mostly be Corey drooling over all the beautiful women. And I'll be doing that as well. Um, and we'll talk about the plot too. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you won't see us again, but you'll hear us again in two weeks to talk about the David jobs parts one and two. Yay. Okay. Bye y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.